Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. Have you been doing a lot of rapping? <laughs> My name is Tom, and I'm here to oh, say... That's how every rap starts, right? You gotta yeah. introduce yourself. And I think every rap by a white person starts that way. <laughs> My name is Tom and I'm here to say, I'm hoping you have a great day. And it's also the next line, something, something in a major way. Yeah. <laughs> Tends to be. I'm telling you in a major way. Are you rapping in a major uh, way? Yeah, I'm rapping some gifts. Uh-huh. Uh, not a crazy amount, so it's not like, it's not insane. But it is quite a bit of work to wrap, to wrap the gifts, I would say. But <laughs> go do it well. That's the thing. Go yeah. Well. well, we, you know, we we kind of. Uh, I bought a box of like bulk bows, and we made a little thing so that you can cut the. We have like the exact size of wrapping paper to make Aww. it efficient, and it, because it's the same size box every time, it's pretty. It's not as bad as one would think. You know, it's not like wrapping presents just random boxes and try to figure that out so yeah i don't think it's something that if we were to have that as an option all the time it would be not good but it is tolerable for like batches i'd say we've learned some lessons this year <laughs> it's one of the lessons <laughs> don't often get wrapping <laughs> Uh, it's fine for the number we've sold it's been fine okay. it hasn't been overwhelming or anything um and yeah, I don't know, have you, I guess we should ask John, our customer service guy, if he's got like feedback, if there's been any issues or anything, but I think it's well, I don't been know if fine. people would like, I feel like that will be coming. Like yeah. I could see getting feedback after the holidays and people have like received it and then like told the person that sent it. Because it's this weird thing, right? Where like mm-hmm. the person that's receiving it doesn't know it's necessarily coming like that. And Yeah, so, there's a time delay. It, yeah, but I will say it's nice. Like, if I were to get that in the mail, yeah, it feels like, you know, your aunt sent you a present and it's wrapped. Like, it feels, like, good. So, so But here's the yeah. thing, though, right? So, like, I was thinking about this today because it's at the time of year where I'm starting to receive gifts from family members, right? And they're mm-hmm. mailing them to my house. But I don't know I should open the cardboard box, right? Mm-hmm. 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 So I would expect people are receiving this cardboard box, and it's from their cousin or whatever. And they're like, oh, cousin Jim sent me a gift. Well, I won't open the box, right? They don't know what's in there. So they yeah. don't even know it's wrapped in there. It's true. We, mm. could, we, should have, we should have put a stamp that says, like, safe to open. There's a wrapped mm. gift inside. Does mm-hmm. not contain bees. Yeah. <laughs> but I, what I was, yeah. <laughs> was going to say is, because if I knew that, I would be happier because it's not nice, I think, around my Christmas tree right now. There's just a lot no, of brown cardboard, cardboard boxes. Cardboard boxes, yeah. <laughs> Who wants that? That's not fun. And yeah. I'm not going to wrap my own gift. I'm not going to do that. No. You know? No. No, 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 no. No. Well, yeah, and this is also like this could go down a rabbit hole of discussion of, you know, the etiquette of sending unwrapped gifts or it happens a lot with kids also where it's like, do you guys have any relatives will they send gifts for the kids but they're like can you wrap this for me like i'm just gonna send it unwrapped and you have to wrap it and it's like it's kind of part of the gift for you to take care of that part but i have a weird i have a weird one right now so my brother sent the three my three boys a skateboard it is wrapped can i ask a question is Is it one skateboard for all three of them yeah, because they're all okay. young. Like they yeah, need yeah, to yeah. I'm just it. checking. I was just checking. Was yeah. Checking. <laughs> but it's so painfully, obviously, a skateboard. Like, <laughs> it, it's still in the box because I know what it is. I know it's wrapped, but it's like, even my four-year, almost four-year-old would probably know it's a skateboard. But isn't <laughs> like, that part just... of the fun, though? <laughs> <laughs> no, because then it's like, well, I don't know. It's I, So it's a question. Right now, it's by my front entryway. It's in a box. Uh-huh. The boys don't know it's for them. Uh... And so it's like, do I hide that somewhere? Do I wrap it, just wrap it in the box it came in and it's double wrapped? Or do I let it be mm. this obvious thing for like <laughs> two weeks that they will get, but they don't? I don't know. Well, I guess here's the question. How much do the boys want a skateboard? 
they really have liked the idea of a skateboard. They are, none of them are ready really to ride it, but they will <clears throat> ride it, you know, sit on they it. They sit on it, push stuff. each other around. They will be definitely excited by it for sure. Yeah. Well, that's actually, that's a discussion my wife and I have been having is at what point should we put, cause we've, uh, mm. we have also started to get gifts, you know, from relatives and stuff. It's like, at, at what point do we start to put them under the tree yes. and it's a little different from us we have like a two-year-old so it's like i could see him just like tearing yeah, after it you know about, like not, yeah. you know not quite getting it so we're probably gonna wait basically yeah. to the end and then kind of put everything out together so yes it is uh i like being a parent around christmas time mm. it's pretty good it sounds it's like good. a fun yeah <laughs> it's fun it's like you can really go for it i did a cool thing uh not proving the existence of santa huh <laughs> said not to toot your own horn or anything yeah well no i did a, i did a good thing of like proving the existence of santa so we had these like little cameras yeah um or you know like little recording cameras and the boys were like maybe we can like catch santa we'll record so i was like sure we'll put a camera in the tree we'll hide it you know it's good and then the next day there was a picture of santa in our house like by the chimney and i was like see guys look at this That's you did this good. last year hmm? you did, did it this last, last year yeah, last year yeah i caught it last year i was gonna send it to the news and be like <laughs> i got him i got, got him, him. <laughs> but yeah see this is the thing that tom hasn't said that wasn't tom <laughs> yeah <laughs> he caught that it wasn't guy. tom it was a picture it's a picture <laughs> santa, santa we're talking about so wow. uh so yeah it's just like it's really and like the school they're in they're they're just like all in with the magic and mystery and stuff mm. and it just feels it's just fun to like it's good i like yeah, when I, good. when we go to romania for christmas i get to be santa for our nieces oh. that is a good that is a good time however <laughs> with the eldest from just one year to the next like she come she was on it she was like why does Santa and Mike have the same shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then Adina would say, well, they shop at the same store. <laughs> so that's the next next time, yeah, you gotta I, I need a full up. change of clothes. <laughs> got, they got they should gotta watch the Santa Claus. Have you guys watched the Santa Claus lately? Like the Tim Allen one? No. Good. It I mean it holds up. Okay. Like it's good for kids mm. too. Because it really like explains a lot of things, like how Santa is could be real and like mm. And all this stuff, and it's like, yeah. Anyways, ho ho ho, ho <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Uh, I think you should put the skateboard out on Christmas Eve. Yeah, um, I might just do it. Make it pretty clear that it's a skateboard. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, those, the problem is they like stand on it and stuff, like that, you know. And also, it was so. clearly your brother's intention that they knew it was a skateboard, right? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> But it doesn't matter. I mean, like he, you know, he's he's a fun guy. So, mm-hmm. Dan, do you have some follow up for us? I see there's some follow up in our document. Oh yeah, it's starting to starting to pile up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, do you have a preference on uh, talk about any of these or? There was there is one thing called knife flight, which I originally thought yes. said knife fight, and I was very mm. excited about that. Yes. Like, well, we had a problem, and the only way to resolve it. We can make that happen. (laughs) Uh, So this is a follow-up in regards to our uh, knife sharpening Mm. discussion. This is not going to be a complete follow-up because I haven't received them back, but I decided to give one of these send your knives by mail to be sharpened services. Mm -hmm. So they're actually, they're on their way back to me. So I'm excited to to see how they did and how they turned out. They're really dull. Yeah, it's just like, wait, just what, did you s- scrape this on rocks? Uh, <laughs> just the nubs come back. Like, uh, But what? why I chose this service is they do something that shockingly none of the other services seem to do is they give you loaner knives. So oh. when when they send you the mailer that has the little sleeves that you know protect the knives from shipment, there's a couple knives in there. There's a chef's knife and a paring knife. So you have knives to use <laughs> while uh-huh. all of your knives are gone. So it's kind of an obvious thing because otherwise you'd have to do it in two rounds, I guess. It's courtesy uh, knives. Yeah, courtesy knives. So that uh, if anyone yeah, that is seems like li- obvious. 
Yeah. So if anyone's wanting to try one of these, I mean, you can wait till I get these to report back. But uh, <laughs> yeah, when there's it no, seems no nothing on the quality of the knife. Yeah, yeah but you, for U.S. people, it seems like this one seemed like a good service to try. So it looks like it's like mail in. So it's like fifty seven dollars. They're about for like fourteen four. bucks a knife or something. Yeah, for four, it says four or less, 57. Yeah, and so I ended up doing six knives. Uh, and so oh, but the like, loaner knife, you it's extra. It cost it's like you another like six bucks, bucks or some eight bucks. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I like their logo too. Yeah, yeah that's that. Uh, that feels like a win win win. How long did it take? Pretty fast. Like, I sent them. I think less than a week ago and they're already oh. like on their way back to me. Uh, cool. so they sharpen them like immediately. It's pretty, it seems like it's basically the speed of shipping there and back is more or less yeah. how long it takes. Awesome. That seems good. I hope it works in the UK, Mike. Yeah. I haven't looked for one yet, but I, I do want to do this because you're going to more- cry. You're <laughs> going <laughs> to cry when you get your sharpened knife back. Maybe like, how have I waited so long? Huh? Yeah. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found one. I found a bunch. This one sounds nice. Blade and Butler. Mm. <laughs> that sounds fancy, right? Yeah. But I am going to go because I, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to try to sharpen the knives anymore. Nah, it's just not. Yeah. It's like you get, there's few things that you can pay not a lot of money to get basically as good as it gets. I mean, I'm sure there's someone who could sharpen it a, a wee bit better, yeah. but you get 999 percent of the benefit from like yeah. not an expensive thing so yeah mm-hmm. and then i don't mm-hmm. have to worry about it anymore and it can just be done by a professional well good yeah well that was a great follow-up you got another one dan thanks oh gosh i've got so many uh <laughs> did you guys watch this patagonia video no no oh man so this was sent in by uh, a listener i'm oh i, I did watch it yeah i didn't log their name but thank you for sending this and so this is like uh I, I felt it when we were talking. This is in the context of me talking about my Patagonia jacket and how we were like, oh, yeah, and Patagonia is like a moral company. And, you know, the CEO, like, gave away the company, essentially, to fight climate change. And and I wish I was a little bit more, like, not so effusive because I, I feel like, obviously. There's absolutely nothing this guy could have done that I would feel bad about. <laughs> this... Story is bulletproof. (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, if you, the title of this video, it's from uh, Adam Conover, who does the Adam Ruins Everything uh, show. You're probably familiar with his work. I'm just going to say that feels pretty good title wise for what I'm sure this video is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so the the title of the video is Why There's No Such thing as a good billionaire and it's it it's a night it's really like quite uh thorough it's like a 20 minute video but he goes into how um i won't get into all of it but it's like there is they said like there's not a tax uh there's not a tax benefit from structuring this way but that's actually not true there absolutely is and there's like the reason to do it the way they did is for all these reasons that are not that nice and so uh yeah it's like if you want to have the good feeling ruined then you should watch this video (laughs) i will say though that like he in general is playing a super character of like always pushing like yeah yeah yeah. he's a real pessimist like crazy (laughs) so like it also could be that he doesn't, it's not absolutely clear that it's not well-intentioned. Like it, it just yeah. could not be well-intentioned. I mean, I so. learned from friends yeah. that there's no such thing as a selfless deed. There's mm. an episode of friends focused on that. Uh, mm. It was a truly selfless <laughs> act, right? It's the thing. And it's like, I remember that. I, remember I just, that. the guys give him money away to fight climate change. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it perfect? I'm sure not. I haven't even watched the video and I already feel like I can argue against yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing I wanted to say that I didn't is if you were, it's such a fascinating situation to be in where it's like, you're a billionaire, you have this successful company, like, how do you structure it? And how do you like, if you are a moral person, and you like want to do good, how would you go about doing that? And to me, the first, the most obvious thing that would 
pop into my mind is like paying the employees really well. It's like, what if your retail employees made $45 an hour? Like, could you do that? Like, it could, you know, is that something as a billionaire you would be able to sustain? And so like my, my, uh, impression of Patagonia employees is like, it's pretty fine as far as like retail job goes, but it's nothing like amazing in terms of, uh, compensation or benefits or anything like that. So it's like, well, there's a place to start. You know, it's like that. <laughs> there's there's pretty easy things you could do if you have billions of dollars and you're trying to act morally uh, with it, like within a capitalist system. So yeah, I think, you know, I, I think what he's doing is better than nothing. But, you know, I think there's also, yeah, lots of ways you could kind of critique or find other ways to go about doing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't punch down on a billionaire. So critique critique away <laughs> yes. like they are there to be critiqued <laughs> yeah. yeah um wow this is going great so far i think <laughs> it's like our first follow-up uh centric show uh, uh yeah i mean right. let's keep them coming i think uh this one, this is a short one. I just really liked it. Um, this is from a few episodes ago when we were talking about the empathy machine and uh, this idea of product design in its finite, like in its highest aspiration, uh, being an empath- empathy machine, basically, like uh, uh, reaching out and uh, speaking to the to the user in some way that shows that like care has been put into that and and so while i kind of i had that in my head and was rattling around i was reading the um inside apple book which we uh we also spoke about on the podcast and just like coincidentally i came across this steve jobs quote uh that was like oh it, it like kind of instantly became one of my favorite steve jobs quotes and i feel like it is kind of speaking to the same ideas that I feel like I was trying to communicate. Um, So I'll just read this really quick. Uh, Quote, one of the ways that I believe people express their appreciation to the rest of humanity is to make something wonderful and put it out. And you never meet the people. You never shake their hands. You never hear their story or tell yours. But somehow in the act of making something with a great deal of care and love, something is transmitted there. And it's a way of expressing to the rest of our species our deep appreciation. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty dope. Uh, And it's like, (laughs) I always like, you know, when you're in this, you know, you have a business and you're making products, like it can certainly be grinds uh, some of the time or a lot of the time. And I, I feel like it's nice to kind of touch back with those, uh, like, like check in with, you know, why are we doing this and what is, what is kind Mm -hmm. of the highest calling and, and what, why do we do what we do? And, and that, uh, yeah, this one, this one really, uh, resonated with me. It's not a bad way to think about yourself, you know, like, and I don't mean that in like a making fun way. Like it's nice right? of like, yeah, I do these things and it changed. Well, no, just it's four people. Yeah. Yeah. I think just like Uh it's four other people is the, Mm -hmm. is the key. It's like the more Mm -hmm. you're thinking about the person on the other end, the better the thing's going to be. Well, you know, yeah. The, well, now yeah, Adam Conover is going to make a video about how, yeah, actually why product design is yeah, actually you know, a problem. <laughs> uh, that makes me think, though, randomly about this whole like AI generated content stuff. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. I think for some things, like definitely some music and maybe some shows, we're going to be happy with AI generated content. But mm-hmm. some things, you're gonna want that shared culture and know that there was a human this is like a human expression on the other end of it right Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's not changing and there's it's like for me with like a lot of artwork i the artwork i find the most like kind of awe-inspiring or that affects me the most is the stuff that's maybe not the most beautiful but i can sense the amount of dedication and effort it took to make the thing Mm -hmm. so it's like sublime in terms of like in the sense of the sublime word, like it's um, uh, like terrifyingly beautiful. And so um, I, I'm curious that like this, with this world of AI generated content, we're like full steam ahead going into over the next year or two. 
it's just really, uh, it's going to be interesting to see that play out. Because in mm-hmm. some cases, we just want probably AI-generated content because the personalization overrides someone's other someone's expression. But that whole thing, I bet it's gonna, we're going to come back around to wanting individual expression again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah. it is interesting. I just see this like, it's, it's going to, I think that question is going to be on people's lips a lot of yeah. navigating like, whoa, you mean Netflix will generate this movie for me automatically? <laughs> and then doing that for like two years and then being like, actually, I just want like a Scorsese film again yeah, for some reason, yeah. you know? I'm missing something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, you know, if to, to bring it to kind of to what we talk about here, right? It is like the idea of somebody wanting a product because they enjoy and understand the story around that product, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where like, you know, we spoke about this before, but like nice packaging does not change the product it changes the experience and i feel that there is going to continue to be a large selection of people that even if air is becomes like legitimately good would would just prefer the feeling of knowing that humans made it i know i'll feel that way like Mm -hmm. i've been very public about the fact that i don't think this air is a good idea uh Mm -hmm. neither do i really believe that it's going to work in the way that some people have been trying to tell me over the last few mm-hmm. months, um, mm-hmm. that I just don't think it will be able to do a convincing job in our lifetimes of the things that people want, of like, I'll just go to an AI art generator and say, I want this kind of movie with, like, you know, people say to me, you know, I will just give it some prompts and, and fix Star Wars. I'm like, I tell you what, my friend, you want <laughs> Right. Like, oh, I completely disagree. Uh, I think it will be exactly possible, but I think the other thing you said of, I think it is more present already in people, the story, the mm-hmm. story about it. The meta story about the media is more important than people think. And I think it's already important to people. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think for a lot of things, especially 2D images, like that's going to, by next summer, it'll be over. But for film... I agree with you. I mean, it will take some time in our lifetime. Absolutely. It will happen. But, uh, I just think that people off the bat will already have a real feeling about that. It's like, why do we care about actors? Like, why do we follow them on Instagram? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We we care about these people and the things that they are doing, not just, uh, the movies that they make. And yeah. Yeah. Mm And I, I, you know, I wonder about this in like, you know, for like, like product design or even like this very podcast, right? Uh, it's funny, like po- podcasting might be like one of the most durable mediums actually <laughs> in this AI, on, on this AI world, because it's often so clear that so many of the podcasts we listen to are so much about the voices and the people on the other end. But you um, saw that uh, Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs interview, right? Did mm-hmm. you, did you oh, see the that? Generator, yeah. Yeah, so like a, a fake interview. Yeah, but that's it's bad for a lot of reasons, right? Like, yeah. t- t- the technical stuff will get solved, and so it's like, mm-hmm. like I think Bruce Willis, I think, has like licensed his likeness. That was mm-hmm. debunked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it was debunked. Okay. Yeah. But it doesn't. I could see things like hap- that happening, or you know, like AI and celebrities that exist, or blah blah blah. So, mm-hmm. I, like I said in the beginning. I, For music, for instance, I'm certain that there will be like AI generated study music that is awesome. That already exists, but yes, yeah. But I mean, like, but like that lo-fi kind of stuff is going to be like, yeah, yeah, because killer. It's it's background music, filler content, right? Yeah, exactly. What people use it for, anyway. Yeah, you know. And then, and then there's going to be people who are using AI as a tool to. Do things. So, for instance, some thoughts I've had for us, like in the probably near future, mm-hmm. if I could take some photos of a Mark One and upload a 3D model and then generate product images, like marketing product images for it, I think we would use that tool. Oh, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. that's going to come yeah. maybe in a year yeah. or less. Um, and so it's like that's, but that's like a tool, right? For yeah. us to do something. It's like using mm-hmm. any of the features in Photoshop, right? Like, yeah, I, exactly. I get that. Like there are lines. Yeah. And so it's just, those lines are going to be, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Like I would love to be able to 
like we're working on this product right now that will that shall remain nameless but it's got some some kind of engineering challenges in it and i would love to have an ai that's just like hey ai uh do you are there any mechanisms or something here that i'm not thinking of that might solve this problem <laughs> you know like that would be great mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know we're not exactly there yet but that stuff will come soon and so yeah it's i don't know it's very interesting yeah yeah i'm a uh, kind of of the opinion that uh it is going to be messy but uh the the human spirit finds a way, you know, like, uh, the, uh, the, we've, we've had transitions in the past, right? Like I think the most tired example, but I think is valid is like when photography was invented where it's mm-hmm. like, what, you just have to press a button. Like you don't have to paint this scene with oil paints onto a canvas. Like that's cheating. You are cheating. You are not an artist. And now obviously like photography is considered a valid art form. And uh, I think the same thing we were talking about music earlier. It's like we went from like you have to be a virtuoso at this instrument to be considered a musician to now where you can make something in GarageBand with pre-recorded beats and loops and all these things. And I don't have to know how to play an instrument at all. Like I can make music with no quote unquote skill. And so I think there's like a lot of this art has already existed on a continuum. And uh, that is just going to continue to be the case now with this AI stuff folded into that. And I think we're going to become more discerning perhaps, or as always, you know, the artist and the storytelling matters, but I guess I'm not like terrified of just like art going away. That's made by humans with the, the, the caveat that it's like, it's definitely going to suck for a lot of artists in the same way. uh, Photography put a lot of painters out of business. You know, those painters are not going to have a fun. Yeah, like it's it's going to be bad and sad, and so I I think that should be uh, thought about. I I agree with what you're saying. I think that there's one of the things I struggle with. Maybe this is me showing that there's something I don't understand, or like that I'm out of touch with this, right? But like photography still has this like element of the human to it right or like this skill that you have to learn to understand how things look visually out to play something where i feel like the idea that people have for what the ai art stuff is is like if you just type a sentence into a box like that doesn't feel like creativity to me in the same way but maybe i'm missing something yeah but i I, to to, to continue that analogy i mean you photography can be literally putting your finger on a button and pushing it down or it can be (laughs) composition thinking about light thinking about lens choices like and so the same with like typing a sentence uh into a box like that can be poetry like the 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 content that you're able to generate uh, depends on you know how good of a job you are you know writing that prompt I guess and so I think there's still there will we will like develop a way of evaluating that work I think uh, yeah. that you know it's still there still is a human on the other side of it I guess at at some point okay. yeah it's that editing it's the curatorial eye the editing that's the thing so it might be that poets are the new visual artists and that mm-hmm. has shifted but there will still be visual art right and um. It's like, I, I think it'll be very quick and shockingly quick how fast it will not be discernible if there's like a human hand making something or like an AI, quote, making it. Um, but the thing that will stay durable probably is the point of view. And like people follow point of views. And that's why like, you know, with like design, Um, You know, there's going to probably be a reality where it'll be much, much easier for people to make physical products, right? And especially with additive manufacturing, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the thing that people respond to is like the point of view and the storytelling. And so I I think it may shift the tactics or who gets to participate in that point of view as the tools get easier and easier. Uh, But I, you know, I do think that that human point of view is the thing that matters. But at the same time, there totally will be AIs that have a really point of view that people love. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's also interesting. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I love this. I love this AI's like artwork, our illustrations. They're amazing, you know. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a brave new world, but it is happening really crazy fast. That's the thing that's shocking. Is mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's uh, this is from the stability AI CEO, but he would know. Uh, it's gonna have a you know an order of magnitude change every two months for the next six months. The the image generation stuff. <laughs> yeah, I so that's that. a thousand times better in by next summer. Yeah, if you can imagine that. So buckle up, <laughs> buckle up, bros. Well, is that all the follow ups? There's one more. Okay, this is a follow up that perhaps will transition into a tech corner. Oh, oh. Uh, back to our. Uh, Many times discussed, uh, will iOS and macOS merge into one platform? Mm-hmm. Here's a quote from Mr. John Gruber. Only someone who has no understanding of one or both of the two platforms could even think a merger is possible. Any scenario where Apple unifies both platforms into one OS would be pointlessly destructive, utterly ruining one or the other platform and most likely ruining both. Thoughts, Tom? (laughs) So, is this an aggressive act? (laughs) I think it is. It's just one person's opinion. I'm not even saying if I agree with it or not. Uh, I don't agree. I, I think that, so here's the thing, and this is why I think I've, where I've been misunderstood on this, even by you two. I do, I do think you are misunderstood. I agree with that. Yeah. Because so we should not, try, let's try again. Yeah. It's not like, oh, we got to make all the UI elements the same. Mm-hmm. I think I have a more of a developer centric attitude in this, which is I have designed one app and I have a way to extend that across all screen sizes natively with doing one thing. And the tools will be there for me to be able to do that really well. And I think that once that exists, to push that idea, which I think Apple wants to happen, Uh it would make sense to brand iOS and macOS as one thing. Mm. Um, Now, when just like on the web, if you're doing web design right or whatever, whenever the screen size changes, the the UI changes. Uh, So that's what I think is going to happen. Now, Mm -hmm. I do not Mm -hmm. think that, yeah, Apple is going to force the same UI elements or even design patterns across screen sizes. That's obviously not going to happen. But Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced that they won't brand them as the same thing. Because to me, it just Mm -hmm. is simplicity. So that is, I think, the most clearest articulation of my point, which has always been my point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that is true. But we, I mean, we had discussions like it was more, we talked about hardware also, where it was like a MacBook Air and an iPad would be running the same operating system. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it will be. Like, in my mind, it is flat in that way. But when the screen size changes, the UI changes. But but it's the same piece of, it's the same piece of software, same operating system. And Gruber, I don't, I do not, I would have to really be convinced by that there's some argument out there that there would be no reason to combine the code bases of iOS and macOS. That is, I don't understand that argument at all. Because I could mm-hmm. see that happening even without them branding them as the same thing. Because that's just, you're always wanting to march towards simplicity when you're d- d- developing. Like the fact that they have these mm-hmm. two parallel code bases that they're maintaining is ridiculous. And they're, and they're not. They're like already making moves to change that. So uh, that to me is like a done deal. Um, I think the, yeah. the more interesting thing is the branding. In my mind, the branding is the more interesting thing because then we're starting to talk about, oh, is there a difference between a MacBook Pro and an iPad? Mm-hmm. To me, mm-hmm. that is the most interesting uh, choice from a product level that Apple could make. Because like, mm-hmm. those two products are getting so close. Now, some mm. people could say an iPad and an iPhone are really close and they're, they're differentiated. Um, but mm-hmm. to me, a MacBook Pro and an iPad with like the fancy like keyboard and stuff feel like oh, there's a lot of overlap there. And shouldn't this all be simpler? So that's the thing that makes me think all these things will happen is there's just unnecessary complexity. 
Yeah. So I, so a lot of the, like the underlying technology stuff, like I don't know well enough to speak to that, but isn't it true that they're, it seems like they're moving in the opposite direction of what you're describing. So Mm -hmm. as an example, my little understanding is like watch OS and TV OS are actually just iOS. They're just like a different fork or a different version of iOS or whatever, but they have very intentionally branded those with different OS names. Similarly with iOS that used to encompass the iPad as well. And then they broke that off into iPad OS, uh, you know, as its own branded OS, even though it is, I mean, it's the same thing. It has the origins in the same place. So to me, if you just look at Apple and how they've been branding and marketing this stuff, it's, it's, uh, it's going in the opposite direction. So what would make you think they're going to change course and. Well, the developer tools are going in the, in the collapsing into one direction. Mm -hmm. Right. So but isn't it easy to just be like, write your app here and then you can deploy it to tvOS and watchOS? Like, isn't that just yeah. easier from a communication perspective to have them like branded separately? I don't know. I don't, I, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's easy or not. It's definitely a choice. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know why they're making that choice exactly. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I just know that Apple, mm. I mean, and, and maybe I'm like working off of old ideas of like what Apple values. But they mm-hmm. do value simplicity. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that they, that I would be curious about what, this, what the reason for that differentiation is. Um, like why tvOS, watchOS, you know, like what is the reason from a marketing point of view? And then maybe mm-hmm. I could be convinced otherwise. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, uh, it just feels like. Well, for me, I mean, again, like not being a developer myself, but I do think it's helpful, like a tvOS app is a totally different beast than an iPhone app. Like you're designing a touch interface versus a 10 foot interface with a remote control. Yeah, I don't know why tvOS is in this conversation. Like, like I'm not, I've never argued for tvOS. <laughs> I'm talking about, I think specifically iOS, like iPhones and macOS. But you think watch OS will stay its own branded uh, OS? I don't, I would, I think it would make sense that it would all be together. I haven't really thought about that very much, but same deal. They yeah, just, but to watch, so I mean, repla- replace TV with watch OS where it's like an iPad app and a watch app are nothing alike. Uh, yeah. they might share that, like the technology might be the exact, you know, you're making it an Xcode, you're making it on a Mac, like the, all the, uh, technology underneath might be shared, but it's like when you're in the headspace of like designing an interface for those two things, like they're completely different. And so having them branded as separate things, that to me makes sense. You mean, you uh, think this branding is for the developer? Uh, I don't think so. no, uh, but I don't think customers really think about watch OS really. Uh, they just think about their Apple watch and it can do stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, yeah. I think all these systems are going to get more and more integrated over time, more tangled mm-hmm. up. And it's really behooves Apple to, I mean, they're already doing this. They're, like they're already like the code bases are coming together, use the same frameworks for all the different stuff. And so it's just like, at some point, it's just a checkbox. You'd be like, Oh, do I want to deploy this for this? And so uh, I don't, okay. Would you really be that shocked that if Apple at some point was like, we're introducing Apple OS. And then it's like everything under one thing. And here's all these cool developer tools. I feel like that would get swallowed really easily by the Apple community. And and people I, would I, think it's, Oh, it's so simple I, now. Well, here's how you lose. Here's where you lose me is when you're like, Oh, it's just a checkbox. And now you're, what was a Mac app is now on the iPad too. Like, is no, that no, no, that's not, no, 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 that's not how okay. it works. It would, it, okay. it, you would do a checkbox and then you have to, an interface builder or whatever you use, then define that. Like, uh-huh. Then define yeah. that UI. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it works now. I mean, it's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, but yeah, I guess that's my question is like, that's, yeah, that seems like kind of the status quo, like how things 
work now, more or less, right? Well, no, but it's been a gradual, it's been a gradual move towards more and more being able to do that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, it's still like where I, well, maybe, I mean, maybe this, I had some other things in this like tech corner where I think the iPad. Wait, are we in tech corner now? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah we are oh See? we just slipped into time <laughs> mac os and ipad os merging it's right there uh the um the ipad is like what is this thing and what does it want to be and i think that is probably like the biggest uh co- the point of confusion like the 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 thing that is maybe the biggest point of disagreement Tom, where you see this thing with a screen and a keyboard and you're like, what are we doing? This is a, a laptop. Like it, it should just, it's already a laptop. Like why aren't they just merged into one thing? Whereas I could promise I see, you con- users are confused. Yes. No, I think the you iPad know, like is your grandma's like, wait, do I get an iPad or do I get you, a Mac? Like, yeah, the iPad know? is the iPad is a mess and it, it's so interesting to me. It's like they backed the laptop is such a durable uh like form factor that they like backed into it uh kind of like fighting tooth and nail <laughs> you know it's like the original iPad was just a flat thing and they had the like keyboard dock thing that you could buy that was like an accessory that released on you know day 1 in fairness but it was like it seemed like kind of an afterthought right and then you know the iPad 2 came out and I don't think that really had any keyboard solution it was just uh like use bluetooth with a wireless keyboard if you want like a proper keyboard but then gradually it's like the smart keyboard cover and then they have the magic uh keyboard cover so it's like they've been fighting this like progress towards a uh a laptop form factor and so i guess like that's what that's what leaves me with the question of like okay uh, is it just gonna become a laptop and kind of the things that made the ipad so ipad-y kind of go away or like what is what is the end game here because i was like it's so I mean, with this new iPad that came out, like everything is so clumsy and confusing. It's like which keyboards work with which iPads and how am I, how, how am I supposed to use these together? And so I thought just like ignoring all this previous discussion about like the, the OS is merging, like just thinking about the iPad only, like I kind of feel like they should have a regular iPad line that is like just this tablet and just a flat piece of glass that is like casual, like non-pro iPad. And then they have the pro line basically is a laptop more or less. Maybe you can fold the screen like all the way back to make it a flat thing, but it's like, just admit that people want a keyboard all the time and just attach it to the, to the screen. Um, I mean, isn't it clear that, if there's this mythical device existed where it would be a laptop, but you just pull off the screen and it's an iPad. Like I don't. So we say that every time. And I firmly disagree with that because you can't just do that. They already do that. That is what the magic keyboard is right now. No, 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 no. Pretend it's 50 years in the future. Like don't have practical. I'm just saying as a goal, it's like, if you could have a no compromise, macbook pro where you pull off the screen and then you have a no compromise ipad that's a well there's product. There, but there's always going to be a compromise because you're always you're, leaving you're making, the ba- you're leaving the battery behind no, dan you're living in like 20 2022 like i know i know technology progresses forward but like look at laptop like the macbook air looks like it did 15 years ago like we're not actually going that fast in terms of like battery technology and you know these things it's like we keep set it's like and the ipads that are like over 10 years old like are basically the same thickness as they were like the second year they were announced yeah, so but it's you're like, not considering they're 100 times faster so i don't know if we no i no, no i am horse. like no i think this yeah of course like the speed keeps increasing but like i don't it's like that th- this you're getting at exactly why i think there's this tension is you can't actually make like a, a a really really nice laptop to the level of a MacBook Air 
that can also yank off the screen. Like there's a comp, there's going to be a compromise somewhere. And right now it's like a pretty significant compromise. And I think even in the future, it's always going to be better to have them permanently connected than detachable. Here's my thesis. To, uh, I don't know if we should keep hashing this out, but here's my thesis. I think Apple does think that there is a future where there is this device where there's a laptop you can pull off the screen. And, but they're very practical. They want to make products that are completely awesome. So they are, keep, they are making an iPad that they've basically solved, and now they're trying to make it more like a laptop because they want to work towards that goal. They also have made laptops that they've basically perfected, and now they're wanting to make them more like iPads. And I think they're trying to get it at both ends because they still need those product categories. But I think the goal eventually is to have that mythical all-in-one device. Uh, And so that's my thesis. Now, it might take a while to get there. But the thing is, already, the iPad has completely outstripped all usefulness in terms of its power and capability. No one, maybe like 0.01% of people who buy an iPad Pro use it to its capabilities. Like, it's a joke how overpowered they are. Same with iPhones, honestly. And so it doesn't matter if uh, a laptop or something gives you better battery life. If you're having 24-hour battery life anyways, it just doesn't matter anymore. And Mm -hmm. so I think we will pretty quickly get to the point where practically, from a practical standpoint, you're getting 99% of the way there with the product or like 90% of the way there with the product. And so Apple will sell it. Because it's this awesome thing where it's like, here's this thing with an awesome keyboard, use it as a laptop with a mouse, an awesome experience. And then if you need it as a laptop or as an iPad, you just rip off the screen and go about your day. To me, that's Mm -hmm. like such a winner. And I do think it's pretty possible to get a compelling product in like the next five, 10 years. Easy. I Yeah, I think a much more likely uh, product design is like folding the screen down so like collapsing which exists uh you know in windows laptops or whatever yeah so it's like that to me seems more realistic than and honestly better in a lot of ways than like the reason we're talking about this right the reason we started talking about this is because of this merging os thing Mm -hmm. if that was the case if you had this fold in half laptop where you just fold this keyboard back guess what we'd have a merged os and so that's why to me it just seems so likely yeah those are uh i think that still remains a completely separate discussion because what we're describing now is just a better version of the ipad plus magic keyboard combination that currently exists so like that doesn't uh yeah that exists alongside mac os just fine right now what do you Um, think mike you silent Mike. You sleep. I mean, I like listening to this conversation because <laughs> I, I have to have these conversations or choose to have these conversations too much. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't see how they could do it, but I would like it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I would like this device that you're talking about, Tom, where like it's a Mac when it's docked and then I undock it and it's a lap and it's an iPad because mm-hmm. that just feels like a nice thing to have. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to do that when they're selling 10 billion dollars or 10 of of each of them right like i just don't know if that's gonna happen when they're still selling so much of both like Mm. they're basically revenue wise match at this point for the company and like would they cut out one of those product lines like would they double the sales you know, of one of them, if they caught the they other one out. They their own stuff all the time, though. Yeah, but you know, do they, for this one, do they need to? Right? Like, that's the question I would no, ask. No, but you. they do it. Here's what, the, the way it would work, as you know, is like, there would be a really expensive one that's merged. And yeah, then it would get cheaper nice. over time, and they would replace them. And it's done. Yeah. And the, the reason why they do that is because they got to be on the leading edge. Like, some mm-hmm. other company will do it. I mean, it already exists, right? I mean, this already exists. Yeah, and right? it doesn't exist well. Space. That's the problem. I think that's I know, what Dan but, was getting at. Earlier. But if Apple mm-hmm. can do it well, and they would be the ones to do it, then it's going to be everyone would buy one. And that's why they yeah. do it. Yeah. No, I think they could. I would not. So here's where I guess where I stand on this. Like, I would be delighted and not really surprised if within the next five years, they release an iPad that has a keyboard permanently 
a fix to it with some mechanism to like fold it down or swivel it away or whatever. That would not surprise me. Mm-hmm. What would surprise me is if in concert with that, like we just have one operating system and it's like the software you're running on that is exactly the same as the software you're running on a MacBook Air. That would surprise me. But making a cooler, more pro iPad that's like, okay, enough with this like really thick magnetic attachment to this chunky magic keyboard. Let's just have the keyboard be permanent because it's so obvious that so many iPad users do that anyways. They just keep the magic keyboard or the smart cover like just on their iPad 24-7. Let's just offer a product that just has the keyboard as part of it and you can't remove it. I could see that being a product. But where I kind of pause is like, oh yeah, and by the way, the operating system is exactly the same as what's on a MacBook Air. Mm, just doesn't seem that hard to me. <laughs> the mechanism to make that thing happen is harder than that OS thing, I think. Tom... Only someone who has no understanding of one or both of the two platforms. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I did have one, one thing I will say, though, to give credence to this, uh, the idea of the uh, platforms merging. It's like I, I think about this all the time and I'm like, ah, how can they consolidate these two OSs? Like they're, they're tuned to excel in the like environments that they are and the legacy of where they came from and they serve different needs like how can these be merged and the answer I came up with is like they can't be merged but you could start from scratch and make one OS so it's like if Apple wanted to make like a huge splash and do probably one of the boldest software related things they've done in the history of their company it would be launching a brand new OS that is from the ground up, like designed for these versatile environments and versatile input methods. Well, that, that so- is a reality that I could maybe entertain. Like, sh- like that could happen on a, on a certain hor- time horizon. Like what happens? That's what happens every year. So I, I think, I think part of the reason why this conversation is hard is just cause like I have a different perspective. I think on, like from the development side, like that's literally what happens every year. Like all these OSs are, are a series of frameworks, right? Um, that provide a- API calls to this OS. And yes, they're very separate on the OS level, but it is, I, pre- I could be completely wrong on this, but I don't think it's very difficult for that quote new OS to happen. Um, and so the thing that's harder for Apple to do is to change the code base that the developers interact with. Because there's all this, they have this whole software platform that they have to maintain and move developers along. So they can't make this huge change and be like, sorry, developers, like rewrite everything. Mm-hmm. So the OS part of it that like Apple controls that developers don't control, they have full control over. And it's a blind, bo- it's like a black box. We don't get to see it on the inside. But mm-hmm. the frameworks the things that the developers interact with to make software on the OS is that has already been abstracted away to where they can change the OS and it doesn't matter. So I actually don't think it's that huge of a project to do the thing you're saying, Dan. It's like not as big as you probably think it is. Uh, Like for instance, UIKit. They made this big change a couple years ago where UIKit is the same on the Mac and the OS. Like it's the same framework kind of. Well, SwiftUI and Swift are the, are the yeah. bigger examples of that, right? Where yeah. ultimately they, everything's declarative and you're not making yeah. as many decisions. I mean, yeah. I'm simplifying this, but that yeah, is the, the OS idea. says, I'm going to yeah. draw the slider for you. You don't draw it. You just yeah. say slider or whatever. Yeah. And so, so that change, I, I, that I think we're still. I think we're still talking about different things. <laughs> I think you're. <laughs> I think you're still approaching it from like a technology side, and I'm still approaching it from like a user experience side. So, for example, let's just talk about like windowing and how ingrained that is in how macOS behaves and is used, and how this year. They attempted to do baby windowing on the iPad and it's been a complete disaster. So to say like it won't actually be hard to like have these UI paradigms exist in both places, like I don't 
accept that. Like, I think it's incredibly hard. Like it would be so hard and people have tried it. Like Microsoft had the like one OS to Uh rule them all. And it like, didn't work. It was not a success. And so I think it was like a really, really hard problem to where, uh, yeah, it's easier to just keep them separate and do and excel in the user input, uh, environments that they were born from Mm -hmm. it's funny because it's already the same thing behind the scenes and so i think what you're saying is like it's hard to convey it to the user like yeah i'm i'm trying to train the user i I think we finally hit on like why we're speaking in circles it's just like you're coming from technology and i'm coming from user experience and that's what i'm like i don't really care what's happening under the covers it's just like how do you manage windows in a touch environment it's like hard to do that people many people have tried apple tried and it's bad (laughs) like you need a pointing device and so i'm not again there's there is a a a solution where it's like we have these like modal things where it's like you can have windows if you have a mouse connected and if not it goes full screen and you have a touch router but it's like to me the way to get there is like ground up redesign of the ui like it's going to be way too messy to try to keep what you have and try to merge them. Like you got to just start over. And from when you scratch. say ground up UI of redesigning the UI, you mean like <clears throat> maybe Windows don't exist. Like that. May, yeah, kind of it, it could be radical. I mean, I think yeah. we would want to not. I personally would not want to lose Windows. So it's more like, yeah. how do you make this work? Like in multiple environments. Yeah. But yeah, like nothing would be sacred. Like it would. The, it would be the radical. Thing, the thing that I already, but kind of smacks is like not true about that is like you and i like all three of us on this podcast already work that way seamlessly like i use my mac and my ios devices perfectly mm-hmm. and so yeah, and that's, it's not hard that's for me why to i think it, that's why i think it's fine that they remain separate but if i could like pick up my imac screen right now just take it off my desk and i knew at that moment it was in ios mode and it changed to tell me that i would not be slowed down one second so i just don't get the problem here like uh, I can have my iPad. I, that is disruptive. Like, so if you, uh, if you un, you know, disconnect your MacBook or whatever, mm-hmm. or your iMac, and it turns into iOS, and you're like, oh, everything looks exactly the same, and the windows are exactly the same. I'm saying no, no, that's, no, no. <laughs> we, it wouldn't necessarily it, be the same. But if it's like, oh, you've disconnected it, and now you're in full screen mode, like just have a separate device. Like that's that's as as disruptive. You know, when we talk about like you plug a laptop into a, a external yep. monitor, and it's like, where'd yep. all my windows go? Like this is terrible. Yep. Like it would be ten times worse than that because you don't even have windows anymore. I get what you're saying. I I I I, I see the challenge in that. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I have one. What, so one other point on this is like, I used to always be like met, you know, many years ago, it was like, man, wouldn't it be so awesome to have like an iPod that not only had your entire music library, but also had like your entire video library and all this stuff. And I could dock it to a TV. I could plug it into a TV and I could watch like any movie I've ever owned on it. And that dream is a reality now but it exists in a different way where we just have the cloud and we have multiple clients to facilitate that so like i don't need to plug my phone into the tv to watch movies i just have this box and the cloud to do that so whenever we have this like discussion of like things merging into a unified device i get this feeling that we're actually being pulled away from that and having this like thin client uh lifestyle where it's like Oh, I got, I'm using this because I'm in this mode. And now I have this device because I'm using this mode. And it's like stuff is more spread out across devices instead of like, let's smush it all together into one master device. Yeah. Yeah. And devices will be cheaper. So it's like, mm-hmm. doesn't even matter. But again, the whole point of the seat of this conversation, sorry, dear listener, <laughs> we know you've listened to us being pedantic for. 30 minutes or whatever. I mean, isn't this what you tune in for? Just like, yeah, the show is called the show. Uh, The, the root of this discussion though, is about this like idea of merging the OS is like from a branding point of view. And I think if there's this grand vision of like thin device, like thin client, like take your content wherever you go and it just appears there. Like, don't you think of course they would merge the branding of the OS? It's like Apple cloud 
you know, that's what you mm-hmm. subscribe. You subscribe to Apple Cloud and then just all your stuff's everywhere all the time, right? Like, yeah, I, I, to me, it just feels like of, it seems like they would totally brand all these things the same as the same one thing if they're so interchangeable. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if the devices will merge in terms of like, you will only have one device. I don't think that's true. I actually do agree that like, the physical setup is so important, but I do think that the software from a branding and technical point of view will become one thing because it's much simpler to maintain. Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 91.